We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We have an impactful defensive tackle visiting Berea as the Browns get back from their Greenbrier trip. We have the first official depth chart release. We have Mike Sandoz quarterback tiers and where Deshaun Watson fits in according to 50 names around the NFL. All of that and more. We're going to look around the NFL a little bit, get you prepared for a busy week with the Browns both in camp and the Hall of Fame game right around the corner. Jam-packed OBR film breakdown is coming up next. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the crossover edition. All eyes on Cleveland, Brad Ward. OBR Film Breakdown, Jake Burns. We're excited to have you guys in here. Really a busy day, even though an off day, a busy day. I'm sure, Brad, you would agree with me on this. A lot of stuff kind of jumping around the NFL. Also, a lot of stuff, obviously, with parallels to your Cleveland Browns. We'll, we'll lead off here right away, Brad. Shelby Harris comes in to visit the Browns, which is, um, you know, the first piece of information we've had about roster uh, camp reconstruction, right? So they're outside the Greenbrier, Brad. They finally have left there. This makes sense, right? You're not going to have guys kind of like when we were talking yesterday, I talked to Andrew Spade about this, where, you know, if, if a guy like Jerome Ford or, and, and I think at the same time, Jakeem Grant also had personal situations come up. You're not going to have him come back to the Greenbrier. You're just going to have him stay home, right? I mean, it's yeah. like getting guys to go back and forth to West Virginia is a little bit tricky. The logistics are hard. So the eight days that they spent down there, it doesn't surprise me that they didn't do any sort of roster maneuvering because it's really tricky logistically. But as you come back to Cleveland, you you probably have a better feel than you've ever had for, we need some help here in these spots. So we got a cornerback signed today, um, which we'll talk about here in just a little bit. But we did have the big part of the day, which is that we're kind of, we've been sitting there thinking they might bring in a defensive tackle at some time and it's getting to the point where I think it starts to get a little bit uneasy to do that because we're, we're pushing into a little deeper into camp. So I would say the Shelby Harris news is welcome news, but it doesn't seem like any ground was made up that like, I haven't gotten any sense from the people inside the OBR or anybody connected to the situation that there's any rush from Shelby Harris to sign anywhere. I know he visited Denver just this past weekend. He's looking around. I think a lot of people wanted the Browns to have this deal contract, whatever, done with him right away. It's never it's never quite like that. I mean, there, there are some situations where the first time you hear of any connection, a guy will visit that location and all of a sudden sign. 
But in this scenario, I actually saw that he worked out. I, I don't I don't know if that's true or not. I can't totally confirm that. Aaron Wilson had said that, that he worked out. I don't know if he worked out yeah. or not, but he was there. They visited. Is this the sort of information that you want to hear right now? Is this like the thing you think is imminent that the, maybe they don't sign Shelby Harris, but they do sign somebody at the position? I think it's a really good sign that the first day off they had that they were actually back home, they had somebody in at defensive tackle. I mean, that seems like a pretty uh, prominent sign that, you know, they're going to uh, at least uh, put their attention on that area. And it feels like, uh, you know, it wouldn't have even happened. I did see the workout thing too. How true is that? I, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, it was weird because it listed the three guys with the workout and then, then said, you know, Burns signed. So, um, I don't know if he actually worked out or not or just visited either way. Uh, I do like the idea that, hey, you know, eight full days, got to see a lot, you know, at the Greenbrier, you know, nice slow acclimation period. They were talking about a lot, you know, ramping things up, which is good for the players and everybody seemed in good spirits leaving there and everything. But I like that the first day home they are addressing, you know, or at least attempting to. Uh, from the outside looking in, address um, kicking the tires on a situation that we think needs addressed, or at least I do. It totally does. And I think we've all been saying it. I think the Browns wanted to go down to the Greenbrier, assess it themselves. They did that. Tristan Hill got dinged up a little bit, which is, look, look, this guy's history is truly that history. The same with Maurice Hurst. So they weren't blown away by anything, or we wouldn't be hearing them having a meeting with Shelby exactly. Harris, or maybe they even have more meetings down the line. But to touch on Shelby Harris real quick, comes in the league, seventh round pick, 2014 Las Vegas Raiders. At that time, they were the Oakland Raiders. Does not play much in 14, doesn't play much in 15, only 144 snaps. They actually cut him before, I think before the 16th season. He was a practice squad 2016 guy around the league. Gets a real chance in Denver in 2017. Plays in Denver for five seasons and does really, really well. So if you look at the total pressures by season, 1919, and then the last three there, 28, 27, 32, he had two seasons of stellar sack number six in 2019 and then seven in 2021. Also just two sacks last year, but the 30 pressures and 32 the year before that and the 500 high 500 snap range are really promising numbers to get those sorts of pressures from an interior player. He is at this moment about to turn 32 on the 11th of August. So he's going to be 32. That's why it's hard for me to think he's going there and working out as a 32 year old. Yeah. It seems a little strange to me, mm -hmm. but more than capable. Uh, run defender had plenty of run stops 23 and 21 uh, 24 and 22 um, 2022 I should kind of delineate there the years he's more than capable he would be an immediate upgrade to the first line guys of like the idea of putting Jordan Elliott out there or, or you know at this point the Maurice Hurst Tristan Hill combo that you would do would maybe flirt with the idea of putting one of them out there so I'm more than happy to sign Shelby Harris at this point. I know Jack Duffin, our, our, our residential uh, pressure rate guru, has noted he's an 8.3 pressure percentage guy, which is a pretty strong number on the market at the time of the opening in free agency, and it's still sort of sitting out there. There are others, Matt Ioannidis, still out there. Haven't heard a thing about him, which I find so weird for how good a player he is that we have not heard anything. I wouldn't be surprised, Brad, if that guy retires. Like I, I just, It's very strange what's going on there. But then Indomitian and Sue, and there are some others to flirt with. But this feels like this would be the best fit for the situation that they would need a guy to play about 500 snaps and be a productive player. So I, I like Harris. I don't know how much time you spent looking into his history or, or what he's done or any tape or anything like that, but I'm very open to him being beside Tomlinson and then having a second group of 
Siake Ika and Jordan Elliott and then kind of working in maybe a fifth guy onto the roster too that can find his way onto the field a little bit. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, it's, it, it seems like a good fit. I think initially I would have said Ionitis more it makes is a better fit, but like what from what we know now, like the just the absolute dead silence, radio silence from anything Ionitis sound makes it's it so seem weird. super strange and, and uh the fact that he's taking visits now with camp left, uh, I think automatically kind of uh, jet- jettisons him to the top of the list of interesting uh, people that you want to add to this defensive line. Uh, I I found it was interesting, you know, tried to track a little bit like, you know, the patterns and groupings they were using along the defensive line when they were in the, in West Virginia. You know, it sounded like a lot of, to your point, uh, Elliot and Tomlinson to start in base, right? And then a lot of uh, uh, Hurst and uh, Ika second, uh, as you mentioned, Hilda. Or, uh, so, I, I mean, that's kind of interesting. You know, once again, going back, and I hate to go back to it, but they actually, they are going to miss the presence of Perion Winfrey here a little bit, like the, or just the uh, potential ability of Perion Winfrey. Um, because... Uh, if he was healthy and in there, that would be a totally different uh, kind of body to look at at this point. Uh, a more athletic, uh, personal uh, guy in, that uh, can move around in the interior, and they don't have that anymore. So this is, uh, I think it's a point that they actually probably need to address, whether it's through this way or through cuts, one way or the other. It is one that we've talked about, even if they would have had Winfrey, that this is a spot that, that we sure. certainly thought they could they could go out and address. So. Not surprised to hear it. It is a welcome thing to hear, especially as you consider other teams. Uh, you know, look at say Baltimore, for example, that are that are going out and being aggressive, yeah, trying to fill some voids. Pittsburgh bringing in um, Quan Alexander just this week, like sorry, over the weekend. So it is something other teams in the division are doing. They're they're gearing up for the arms race here a little bit, and uh, nothing at this point would surprise me with that stuff. So I, I do I do think they need to be aggressive here and get out in front of this. It would be really it would be really tough to be in season. And think back, like we really missed an opportunity to upgrade this. So yeah, uh, it, I'm not surprised. It is good though that they they're the Browns do this. They I feel like they they play the slow game a little bit with this stuff at times, right? Where they're like, we're going to give the guys we signed a chance, and then if we don't like it, we'll try to go out and sign somebody. So which is I do think. Go ahead. No, I was going to say it's smart, and uh, I think it is smart, and it gives them a chance to evaluate things. And I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I, I, this it's interesting this week has kind of been almost like that tertiary free agency, right? Like yeah. all of a sudden well, guys are yeah, getting like a two week run of this gobbled stuff, up. Yeah. Right? I mean, uh, yeah. to your point, the Quan Alexander one really stuck out to me like, man, I wish that was us. So, but go ahead. Yeah. Again, like to the, to the general point of what they're trying to do here and something to be aware of is Shelby Harris was cut released because he had 8 million non-guaranteed dollars left on his contract. That was going to be his cap hit with Seattle. So he played really well, but Seattle's trying to trim the fat for different things that they were trying to do. And he was a, um, you know, he was just a byproduct of those, those cut down situations. So he can still play more than effectively. And he would fill a nice role here. He was, like I said, I don't know what the, the financial expectation is from his side, Again, coming off like having an $8 million cap number last year, he would not get that sort of thing here. I would imagine he would not expect an $8 million cap number when, you know, when you're this point in free agency and nobody's really been hell-bent on trying to sign you at this point. So, like, um, you know, just open to the idea of him. I'm be interested in what the price point is and if the Browns are going to be the top bidders, right? What you want to hear is that they were aggressive doing everything they can. You don't want to hear them being outbid by Denver, right? Like, you just don't want to hear that. So I think they need to be very aggressive 
with the limited market that is available at this position and how important we know it is, I don't want them to be sort of passive on this whole thing, Brad. You know, I, I would prefer to hear that, you know, the Browns made a really strong offer, but he chose to go elsewhere would be the angle that I would be hoping to hear. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's repetitive at this point. I feel like you've come this far. You got to finish the roster. Don't 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 leave anything to chance. If there's something there that that can sure something up, you need to take advantage of that now. Agreed. Okay, moving on. Um, next thing that came out, which is an annual, I think it's like a decade now. Mike Sando has been doing this. Uh, I don't know if he's done it for the clearly hasn't done it for the athletic the entire time because hasn't been around for uh, that long, but. Uh, Sando's been putting out his own quarterback tiers, which is they take uh, 50 NFL coaches, executives are granted anonymity, and they take this poll. Um, This year, he said the league, this year, the 50 league insiders who placed 30 veteran quarterbacks into tiers included eight general managers, 10 head coaches, 15 coordinators, 10 executives, four quarterback coaches. That's interesting. Four quarterback coaches and three involved in coaching analytics. So that who ma- that is who makes up, and it's a really good article. It just kind of goes through different tiers of quarterbacks, and we'll just go through the ones up and up until Deshaun Watson. Tier one. So these are your tier one guys uh, according to these these uh, votes. The first is Patrick Mahomes. I think tier one should just be Patrick Mahomes. That's just me though. Um, he had a voting average of just like a one, like he was just everybody put him first. But I think that when you do that, that's probably means a guy is in tier all of on his own, Brad, but whatever. Um, Joe Burrow is two. He, he goes up a little bit. Uh, Josh Allen is three in this one. Um, uh, Aaron Rodgers four, which is surprising to me. Yeah. And Justin Herbert is five to round out the first tier. I don't think I'd have Aaron Rodgers in the first tier anymore. Would you? Uh, no, I wouldn't. So in, you know, how they define tier one here, right? Uh, tier mm-hmm. one quarterback can carry his team each week. The team wins because of him. He expertly handles pure passing situations. He has no real holes in his game. So if that's the qualifications, okay, sure. I, like, I, I agree with you. I think Mahomes is in a tier by himself. I 100% agree with you. I think he's the best quarterback. I don't think that uh, if I, if I was doing this, I would just put him one by himself, but I understand that uh, Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, sure, that to me feels like a tier. I don't. I did kind of disagree with Herbert as well. I think that Rodgers and Herbert are not. Uh, I don't think Herbert is as, as good enough yet to say that he belongs in the same tier with those top three guys. And Rodgers okay. should not be there. That's my opinion. I'd have Herbert in there, but it's close, right? The, the, the thing that I keep going back to is that they've scored the first three seasons of a quarterback – They've scored more points than any quarterback in history. They've given up more points than any quarterback in history. So, um, so it's just a really him. weird. Yeah. It's just a really weird set of circumstances around him. So I can understand though he hasn't won a playoff game, and a lot of people are like I get that. I totally understand. Herbert's like the borderline tier two. To your point, I should have read tier one. Good job by you filling that blank. Tier two or quarterbacks can carry his team sometimes, but not as consistently. He can handle pure passing situations and doses, and or possesses other dimensions that are special enough to elevate him above tier three. He has a hole or two in his game. So this is number six on the list. Jalen Hurts, seven, Lamar Jackson, eight, Trevor Lawrence, nine, Dak Prescott, 10, Matthew Stafford, 11, Deshaun Watson. So Sean Watson checks in 11. Here are the people that are behind him. Kirk Cousins is the last of tier two. Then you jump into tier three, and these are quarterbacks, legitimate starters, not as, uh, but they're starters that need a heavier run game and or defensive component to win a lower volume drop back passing offense suits him best. So the guys behind him directly, because I think that obviously carries some weight here, Brad. Uh, Kyler Murray's 13, Derek Carr 14, Jared Goff 15, 
Russell Wilson, 16, Tua, 17, Garoppolo, 18, Daniel Jones, 19, Geno Smith, 20. Geno Smith, 20 is a bit of a surprise to me. I think he should be higher. Certainly put him in front of Daniel Jones, Jimmy G. Yes. Some of those. It's weird because it's one year, right? Like, so it's, I mean, how much do you put away? You know I mean? It's one season enough for you. Like, I definitely believe he needs to be above 20 or, you know, lower than 20, however you want to say, better than Mm -hmm. 20. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know how far really to go. Like, I, I would still have Carr ahead of him. Um, it this group is weird, right? Like, I don't, it, is, it is weird. Justin Fields at 21. Are we sure that are we sure about that yet? Are we sure Tannehill even belongs in this group? Are we sure Mac Jones belongs in this group? Like, I, I feel I like it's a, it's a bunch of guys. Are you, yeah. are we sure? That's like a, are we sure group? <laughs> tier four is, is mixed with some, are we sure guys? Like, I think tier four is more we have no idea. Either we have no idea guys or yeah. guys that they say here. It's tier four quarterbacks who could be an unproven player, not enough information for voters to classify, or a veteran who ideally would not start all 17 games. So Brock Purdy's 24, Kenny Pickett 25, Jordan Love 26, Baker Mayfield tied for 26, I guess. Yeah. Sam Howell 28, Desmond Ritter 29, Gardner Minshew 30. So I think Baker falls into the category with Gardner Minshew of this guy should not be starting not 17 be games. Yes. Agreed. The rest of the guys on this list, there are not enough information types. So Agreed. that's where Baker sits going into his season. Uh, let's go through some of the things said about Watson. Um, so he, in tiers over time, Watson was in 2018 and 2019 tier two. He got up to tier one, mm-hmm. 20, 21 and 22, and then dipped back now into tier two and 23. He had one tier one vote, 31 tier two votes, 17 tier three votes, and even one tier four vote which is kind of amazing only russell wilson baker mayfield stafford Derek carr suffered greater year-over-year drops than watson suffered an average tier vote here's a direct quote from a defensive coach i'll tell you what when we played him it was bad it was real shaky only mayfield flacco rated lower than watson last season in epa per pass attempt among 39 quarterbacks who threw at least 150 yeah here's the quote brad tough stat defensive coordinator again everybody thinks okay his rust will wear off after a couple weeks that guy hadn't played in what a year and some change that's a hard thing he was one of my ones last year i would put him as a two right now with the probability he'll get to one again um that one's a little bit quote. better yeah. of a quote yeah. to handle go ahead yeah last last quote is that position is the hardest position to play in football and taking time away take some things away from you. A personnel director said he has a skill set that could take him back to where he was or close to it, but the game hasn't gotten slower. He's going to have to show he's able to do some of those things again. So it just sounds like a bunch of people who are like, we think he could be tier one, yep. but he had a really ugly five games, six games. Yep. I mean, which is, which is, you know, about what it was. Accurate. So I'm, not, yep. so, I'm surprised by this. I mean, I'm just, I'm just glad that it is. You know, I, I would certainly put him above Stafford. Personally, I think he'd be at 10 for me. I'd say firmly Dak, Trevor Lawrence, Lamar, Jalen Hurts, and the, and the group could be in front of him. I'd be fine with that. The only one I'd have a little bit of an issue, like I said, is is Stafford. But Yeah, we're, that's what I would have a problem. I have a problem with Stafford. It seems like he's always 10 on a lot of these lists here lately, or 9 or 10, him and Dak are like right there. And, and I'm okay with Dak. Mm-hmm. I can live with that. But are we sure that Stafford has anything left in his arm? I mean, I, like I, I'm just not sure. 
Uh, no, I'm not either. And uh, I don't think anybody is, and that's why their win total is so low projected. Correct. This yeah. Year. And I, I, so I don't know why he keeps showing up so high on these lists because it's like, I don't know, just doesn't feel. I, I don't see that as much. It, it, there's like it's like a lot of these things are like alike, and and one isn't here, and it's Stafford, right? Uh, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the top 10 or so. So, yeah, I think that that one is a little off. Uh, you know, Cousins is certainly very good and better than the guys, I think, in the tier below him, so I can live with that. The Watson stuff, it's, a t- you know, some tough stats in there. The quotes are are accurate, though. And 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 I think that 11, I don't, I can't, I'm not going to, I can't slam my fist and scream about 11. That seems like pretty fair when you're counting his body of work before, versus six games after two years off. If you were trying to put that into some sort of a uh, mathematic equation, 11 seems right. Yeah, I, th- I think 11 seems more than fair, given yes. what's happened. A chance to go up and a chance to fall back a tier if he uh, if he doesn't figure it out again. So, um, yeah, that feels right. We're going to take a break, and then we have some more um, some more stuff to get to around the NFL a little bit, and then, and then kind of some things that tie into the Browns. So uh, we'll come back from the break, and chat some more NFL football. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer put lifelock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss plus with a u.s based restoration specialist on your team you won't have to face drained accounts fraudulent loans or other losses from identity theft alone all backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. And we are back uh, with the crossover edition. As usual, Jake Burns, Brad Ward, all eyes on Cleveland, the OBR film breakdown. Uh, just got done uh, breaking down Mike Sando's tears and... Uh, talking some Shelby Harris. Let's dive into today, Jake. We got a little bit of uh, uh, an interesting little uh, tidbit, I'll call it, uh, as mm-hmm. the Browns un- unofficially official. How do you want to call it? Un- the unofficial official uh, depth chart here uh, from the Browns. And it uh, looks a little different than in years past. Uh, so uh, some things maybe to glean from this in one they list four wide receivers in their starting group and uh, you and I uh, in a quick deep dive, were able to uh, uncover that in the past that had been two tight ends listed as starters for years here. Uh, 
mm-hmm. uh, under the Stefanski regime. Um, and uh, there's some other things we'll go through, but uh, you know, the one that jumps out to me a little bit, I'll mention right off the top here, and we can also talk about the wide receivers and the change of format here, but You know, Jakeem Grant listed as your kick returner, punt returner with uh, Jerome Ford as the second string kick returner. Diamond Bills Jones as your second string punt returner. He was very good in punt return last year. And then Darden as your third string. Uh, Now, I know Darden got dinged and Grant is coming back. But Darden to me feels like a superior wide receiver. And uh, that feels wrong to me. Now, I don't necessarily think they're shooting for accuracy on this. Probably um, maybe like the depth chart that uh, causes the least amount of ruckus. Would that be the best way to do it? Friction reducing, maybe? Friction reducing uh, depth chart. Uh, You know, like what can we put on this depth chart that's going to cause the least amount of stories or Mm -hmm. people to question? So I think Jakeem Grant may do that for some people. But for me, it, it kind of makes me think that doesn't feel right to me. Now, you mentioned some things off air uh, about why that may, maybe does make sense. You want to talk about that? Yeah, I think I think it's understandable that if they're looking to replace Goodwin's sort of burning presence, maybe six, seven vertical routes a game that threaten the defense to have to at least respect it, you can talk yourself into a little bit of, understand why at this point they would like a veteran like Jakeem Grant, right? They want to maybe, you know, they're all about solidifying, you know, solidifying things in the punt return game, among other aspects. Like I could see them preferring Jakeem Grant if he's all the way back and healthy. So I I wouldn't be surprised. I think I even took him on a projection on yesterday's show around like who I think is going to make the roster. Like I just wouldn't, if they keep six receivers, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I think they could keep Jalen Darden, um now his injury sort of situation is not helping anything no right you know availability especially when you're trying to make a roster is pretty paramount but uh, i see like there's an idea that they kept jakeem grant around after an achilles injury there's there's quite clearly a preference maybe it's bubba ventrone really likes him and wants to work with him you know he could have he could have a really large say in that so you know i also went through that exercise of talking about why teams might not keep three quarterbacks right off the bat right? They've never done it anyway. And it yep. was a really, really rare circumstance that led to putting in that rule. And to me, it feels like that rule is going to be applied by teams more in the playoffs when, when you're just trying to prepare for every crazy possible scenario, yes. not necessarily in season when you're trying to like make roster structures work for you all the time. So like, I just, uh, I think it's a little less black and white than we want it to be. So I'll just say, I think there's a chance that they end up keeping seven receivers and Jakeem is uh, certainly a guy that I think it's it's a possibility that they end up they end up keeping around. Maybe the, to the surprise of some people who have sort of written him off, and and I understand why we would. I mean, you know, I think Donovan's been a really started to come on as a punt returner. Is like is his knee really there? But I think with Goodwin out, I think you can convince yourselves that he can kind of cure some of those situations where you had this idea that you could use Marquise on these this this certain number of routes, right? Like this this like we'll use them five to seven routes a game to do these very esoteric things. And you could still get some of that from Jakeem Grant in their mind on, on top of the punt return stuff. Do you think, um, is he that much better? Is there, is there any give and take to you? Cause for me, like I, my only pushback is that, and, and you can't really do it right now to your point that Darden is hurt. And, but like, I think Darden is probably a better receiver than him. Um, mm-hmm. 
and he can I think he can probably run those same routes. Is he is 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 Grant that much more of an elite returner than than Darden that that probably cancels it out? Or do you think this is just a pretty close battle all the way through? I think it's a close battle all the way through. I think it's the one that I mean, Jakeem Grant has been to Pro Bowls for the role. He's done clearly done better things, but sure. I I don't I, I think Jalen Darden's has a natural knack for it, wrote it up when they claimed him and when they brought him over here. Like yeah. he can he can do some of those things. Yeah. Again, it's just a matter of when they look at the money, does that make sense? Yeah. Right? Does does everything align there? And and I think that is a wide receiver group that I ha- I think at this point has five pretty concrete names attached to the room. You're sort of looking like where's the camp battle? Well, I think that's camp battle. Dardner, Jakeem Grant, right? There's a possibility they keep both, but that smells like the biggest camp battle to me. So I, I think it's gonna be an interesting one to see how it shakes out and uh, and it could be relative to who's available, to be completely honest with you. I mean, if if like if Darden's just not going to be around because of injury, then it's it's Shaquem's to claim, right? So yeah, um, absolutely. It's, it's, I hope we get a, a battle there because I, I like to see what what Darden can do because I, I really liked him coming out of North Texas. So yeah, um, he said would be interested in that. He's had a pretty good mini camp in OTA so far too, as well uh, from from glimpses that we've seen. It feels like uh, offensively. So another interesting thing here, you know, they've got Mond as their third string quarterback, as you were mentioning the quarterbacks mm-hmm. in DTR. It's the fourth string, and the, I don't put really much stock into that, but Mond, I guess, did have a really good day, I guess, late in camp uh, before they left or, and looked pretty good. So uh, you think this is the Mond DTR show at the Hall of Fame game? Yeah, I do. I think Mond is going to – I don't I don't know. Did they announce who's going to start? I, I, I don't even Not know. Yet. I don't think so. Um, yeah, I think they'll just give them each a half is kind yeah. of the the yeah. thought process around this one. So they'll both get a half, and we'll see. I mean, I'm not surprised that they would say, hey, we're just going to keep the rookie below, the guy who's been here a little bit longer. So I'm not like uh, – and I'm not saying you are either, but just like not putting stock into that at all. And I, I mean, it to me, is obvious that DTR is going to be here in some capacity. It's whether they keep three quarterbacks or uh, with that new rule or they decide to go two and just make him the backup. Mm-hmm. That's it to me. So um, – yeah, that that's just sort of the angle, at least in my opinion. So he's going to get a chance, and I'll, it'll be really fun to watch two really athletic quarterbacks, and sort of how they're going to fit. Kevin's going to fit his offense around what those guys can do because it's a little bit of a predictive model for what they're going to do with, you know, with with um, with Deshaun at some point, right? Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, all right, anything else jump out here you want to hit on uh, before we switch over to some around the NFL stuff? I don't think so. I think that covers everything. I mean, there weren't really any other surprises. A lot of the starters listed in the in the structure of the uh, um, depth chart are about as expected. I think there's a little bit of a tweak at some of the guys where they're aligning a safety. But again, you have to remind this is not an official from Kevin Stefanski's depth desk depth chart. Right. This comes from the media team doing their best. They might get some hints from coaches, but they do their best to put that together. So it's not like they're going downstairs and taking a, a, a legal pad and like writing down the depth chart that they see on the board somewhere or something some <laughs> shit like that. So it's just their best guess based on what they see. And like, they'll, they'll probably nudge some coaches or get get a, get a question asked, but there's also probably some coaches who just say, piss off, leave me alone or something like that. Yeah. So that's yes. an inner working. It's go, not in a hundred percent official depth chart. Yeah. Good luck. Go guess, go guess at it. Uh, all right. Let's, um, uh, we so we've got some stuff uh, going on around the league. Of course, continuing at running back. Uh, so Dalvin Cook uh, visited with the Jets. It seemed like he was going to sign there. Uh, and then you know, uh, there's a lot going on with Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. 
it, it seems like the the owner over there in Indianapolis, uh, Jim Ursay, uh, is kind of what a guy. Gone I love all of, of Jim Ursay's completely. <laughs> well, all these old tweets from like 2010, 11, where he was. You know, I don't know. He could still be a coked out crazy human. I mean, it seems pretty crazy anyway, but just tweeting about like cocaine usage and stuff like that has been pretty, pretty fascinating to see those get unearthed again. What a guy uh, It's true. Uh, yeah. So some, some really uh, thrilling quotes about his precious running back, Jonathan Taylor, that he apparently cares so much about. Uh, and then, um, you know, Taylor, I feel is maybe overplaying this, not not playing this well either. Uh, I I think both sides are kind of screwing this up a little bit, Jake. Mm-hmm. Um, on in that one, um, nobody's really winning there. I think it's kind of a screaming match into a wall right now. But uh, you know, and then uh, with this stuff, uh, as far as Dalvin Cook goes, do you think he ends up with the Jets? Hard to say. I mean, he if that's the only visit he gets. I would be surprised. I feel like he's not in a hurry to sign anywhere. You know, I don't think these guys who have been around um, a significant number of camps are always the most eager to go out and sign somewhere. So, you know, you know, I don't think yeah. he minds missing another week of camp or something like that. I think you, you obviously make the Jets the betting favorite, and you say that just because he's not been anywhere else. There has been no inkling of yes. a signing, right? I think that it was Sony Michelle just retired in L.A., and they signed um, – they signed a veteran. I didn't even know. I didn't really know much about it. There wasn't like any interest in any of these other bigger names. I can't really think of who it is off the top of my head right now, but they went out Royce Freeman. Sorry. Yeah. They went out and signed yep. him. So um, the market is still slow, even though we've seen some, like we've seen some recent injuries, the the market is still pretty slow for some of the bigger name guys that we've sort of been tracking out there. We still have no smell of cream hunt. We have like this situation in Seattle where both Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet, the rookie are, are dinged up. There's been no connection to any more names out that direction. There have been um, who else I hear. There was somebody else that's dealing. I mean, obviously the Colts. We're going to talk about the Colts. I mean, we are talking about them, but they not not just Jonathan Taylor. Like uh, I think someone. Which one of them? Evan Hall broke his arm. Yeah. Or Moss broke his arm. I think Moss, Moss broke his arm. So yeah, like they're dealing with uh, a plethora of them. And we, again, we've heard no other name be mentioned. So. I don't know, man. The running back stuff is weirder than ever. I feel like we're in the twilight zone for that position, but I would guess that the Jets are, you know, I guess. And I wouldn't even think that the Jets would be that interested in someone like Dalvin Cook because Brees Hall, uh, everything you hear is he's right. he's coming back really well from this injury, and they have, like, the guy we're going to talk about here, Michael Carter. Like, there was this idea that he's, you know, he's a, a pretty capable backup to me at least. So, I don't know, man. Jets are weird. Yeah. It's a weird thing to figure out. It is weird, uh, you know, um, and, and to tie that back to the Browns, as you kind of did there, there was some mention, and I think it was pretty much pure speculation, but some mention that Carter would, would be a good, and it's it's a good thought, it could be a good, uh, you know, pass-catching third back for the Browns uh, if, you know, uh, Domino 1 knocks over Domino 2 and right and et cetera. So, uh, with Cook and, and the Jets and everything, and they want to depart, you know, part ways with Carter or whatever. Um, more than anything, you know, you look at this depth chart once again, kind of tying it back to that at running back, you know, Felton there as the third running back. And I think you, you kind of said it best when you, you said earlier, you know, when we were talking that, you know, just probably the, the, the third running back is probably just not here yet. Odds are high. I didn't think um, I didn't think Kevin gave 
a real vote of confidence around Dimitri and like just flirted with the idea. Yeah. Again, references yesterday flirted with the idea of potentially moving him back to receiver if they needed to in a crunch in, in the Greenbrier, which I totally understand. That's probably a, a nothing throwaway comment, but you would like to hear some vote of confidence around like, yeah, we, we're not doing that. We're just going to keep him as a running back. We really think he's got a future here. Excited about his, his, uh, you know, ability to, to play for us this year at that position, so on and so forth. But you didn't get any of that from him. So uh, you start to just wonder like what the future is for him at, at, at any position. And with that comes like, yeah, there's quite a abundance of, of what seem to be now pretty affordable uh, running backs out there that they could potentially either add on the waiver wire when the season preseason ends, as we know, the preseason is a little different than it's ever been. So there'll be probably an influx of, uh, opportunities to bring in a running back of some kind if they want. And I, I think that you have to just say like the odds are pretty high that, that they're going to end up, um, you know, going to go out and get somebody to be that third back. I, I, I just don't think you could feel comfortable at this point with believing that Felton is just a lock to be in that spot. Now, if he has a great preseason over the next, like if the Browns get four games, if he has a great four games, then maybe, but at this point, you know, I think if you're a betting person on this sort of random thing, uh, it would, it would be pretty low. So this whole running back thing, last thing we'll hit on this here tonight, and we, this would probably be a good one to wrap up on. Ultimately, everything that's going on right now, and it's crazy, this whole running back thing has gotten out of control, right? Um, mm-hmm. Clearly. But ultimately, as long as Nick Chubb doesn't fall off physically, this could end up helping the Browns keep him around at a cheaper rate in the long run. Yeah. Yes. Joe Mixon is the is the footprint here, right? Yes. Yeah. Um and I just don't think the running backs are in any position to bargain. Like, hey, do you want to be yeah, like do you want to be cut? We can cut you, or we can restructure your contract in a super team friendly right. way. I mean, that's just they're <laughs> they're yeah. in a really bad spot, man. Like it's not it's not good. And looking at Mixon as that to your point, like Oh, I can go out on the open market where nobody's going to value me the same as the team that I already play for is going to value me. Like you're, you know, as a running back that's been with a team for X amount of years, you're going going to be valued more by the team that already has you and already knows how to use you. Um, and he took that pay cut smartly for him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because no, a lot of people would have been like, "No way, I'm worth ten million." I'm going out there and I kind of thought he was that guy. Right. But somebody got in his ear and told him to take the pay cut and stay there because that was the smart thing to do. Cause if he goes out on the open market, he's not getting that amount of money. There's no way. So I just think that, um, it kind of plays into the Browns Hill hands a little bit. It's not really fair. Uh, I thought Nick, Chubb, Nick Chubb's comments were interesting. Um, but this is the, the, what they collectively bargained and, and here we are. So, I, I don't know. Here we are. Yeah. I Can't know. redo the CBA for one position. They're going to have to look at Great. addressing it in the future. It's just going to, it's just, it is sort of a, a market inefficiency that teams have exploited here. And, you know, what yeah. are you going to do, man? This is why we get these wild uh, flants of uh, trying to gain leverage from one side or the other from the tailors and stuff, right? Like it's just mm-hmm. a one wild uh, game of, of trying to uh, gain leverage on the other side. And, and it's ending up in some bad, poor decision making, I think, for some out there. So, I would agree very, very firmly. Think that the decision making around it is just uh, from both sides, and the comments from both sides are they're they're not a part of the solution right now. Right? <laughs> that's it's that's not, not, no, no one's helping it. That one, the Taylor thing is track. is evident. Yeah, yeah. Taylor, Taylor thing is in. Oh, it's just a it's just a mixture of rough time 
right around what's going on right now and um and and just people with you know egos and it's not it's not it's not in a good spot It's it's in a really bad spot right now for sure all right listen we have uh it's game week man there's game on thursday hall of fame game uh any uh parting words here before we get out of here jake uh as we uh look towards uh uh first uh preseason game zero as kevin stefanski called it putting so much value in it no excited to watch it i just always like watching the hall of fame game because it's in canton right and you just you're just really super familiar with the area and and uh, seeing nfl teams there it's kind of fun to me uh to see nfl teams there so uh in, in my opinion seeing the browns back there for the first time since 99 is gonna be really fun so excited about it from that angle for sure and uh, we'll, we'll we'll do some previews and there'll be plenty of stuff up at the obr where we write about this but um you know i just it's a, it's like the kids so it's just a weird little kickoff of football actually happening it's actually on tv it's a big production and yeah oh yeah it's back right so it's back. pretty cool it's back and then uh you know it's written down and circled on my calendar with a big red heart uh the, the week after that i get to see you again jake as uh yes. we'll be in canton for fantasy football expo can't wait fantasy football nerds should should try to get to this thing man yeah the obr is gonna have a presence we can talk brown's fantasy options let's do uh, it booth booth number 24 nick chubb number 24 uh at the expo. It wasn't an accident Sunday. they gave us that number exactly let's put it that way uh so yeah go to uh fantasy football expo.com get your tickets come see us we'll be there uh yeah. any any other uh anything else before we get out of here Not a thing. Good show. Appreciate your time, Brad. You know that. I know that. And I appreciate you, sir. Uh, I'm back from vacation. Feels good. No more. It's all, I'm locked in now. I'm telling you, I'm locked in now, Jake. All locked in. Watch out. You heard it. Uh, Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, Game on Thursday. This has been a uh, joint collaboration crossover event between All Eyes on Cleveland and the OBR Film Breakdown and everybody over at the OBR. Uh, For Jake Burns, I am Brad Ward. Have a lovely evening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.